Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. How about the final four this weekend? Ever heard of it? Kind of a big deal. Do yourself a favor. Take a dollar, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook, tell them Ross sent you, and you have a chance to win a hundred bucks enjoying Final Four basketball. We will, later on this week with Greg Cosell, have a Spread the Word winner at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. I think you guys know what to do there. All you have to do is engage on any of the platforms, and you get a chance to win a signed picture, press pass, football card, whatever you want. Sponsor confirmation email winner. Man, we got some awesome sponsors right now. We really, really do. Check them out on the sponsors page at RossTucker.com. Love me some cameo-style shout-outs. Love when you guys ask me and hire me to do a cameo for you for whatever reason. Love giving them out for free for those of you that subscribe and comment at YouTube.com slash NFL. And I love, 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 love getting to talk to my buddy Andrew Brandt every Wednesday. Not every Wednesday, actually. He's the host of the Business of Sports podcast. So we've been doing a little bit more like every other Wednesday in the offseason. So make sure you subscribe. Anyway, it's Big Show time. The Big Show. Andrew, always great to talk with you. Always great to see you. Uh, I won't say your age, but you are the world's youngest, coolest looking guy for your age. You've got, I mean, at this point, when you do the triathlon stuff, you must be murdering the people in your age group. Well, you said you wouldn't mention my age, but <laughs> I moved up an age group this year, uh, which is bad for optics in terms of that number, but good for optics in terms of my finishes in the age groups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all, it's been a few years, Ross, but now it's like I've accepted not to look too hard at the overall standings and worry about losing to the 20 and 30 year olds. Uh, so I look primarily at the older age groups, but listen, you know, there's once, there's a theory I heard a few years ago called the look to your right, look to your left theory. So, and it's about never getting complacent. So you think you're good at something, look to your right, there's somebody better. 
right? At your age, older than you, whatever it is. So no, I'm not winning my age groups in the 50s or 60s, uh, but I'm doing well. And uh, I think it's all about, you know, look to your right, look to your left. There's always someone better. So I want to do something different today. Yeah. Of course, you can check out Andrew on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt, and make sure you check out the Business of Sports podcast. It's awesome. We're getting advertisers for the Business of Sports podcast that don't want to advertise on my shows. They just like you, Andrew. So I don't know what you're doing over there, but you're doing it right. So um, I do know what you're doing. I listen to the show, but that's not my point. Anyway, I wanted to do something that I feel like you are uniquely qualified. So most people that listen to the show, watch the show on YouTube, they have some interest, that they have a huge interest in sports, and somewhere deep down, they either had or have an interest in working in sports. Well, so you've been on the agent side, you've been on the front office side, you're now on the media side, so you are uniquely qualified to answer these questions. And it's funny because I know this happens to you a lot. Andrew, it's at least twice a week that I get an email or a text or something from someone who I know tangentially in my life that their child wants to get a job in sports. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And they either want to be an agent or they want to get in the media or they want to work for a team or whatever. So you've done all those things. And I'm sure we even have listeners that their kids might want to work in sports. Yeah. So let's let's start with the agent business. What are the pros and cons of the – before we get into how you would get started – for someone that's even considering it, what would you say are the pros and cons of the agent business? Let me just start it this way, Ross. I've had three chapters in my career. First chapter, agent, each a decade. Second chapter, team executive with the Packers. Third chapter, media and academia. Um, and for reasons we can talk about another time, I do prefer this third chapter. And I think it's giving back. You know, I listen, I learn. I am one that believes in giving back. I can't cure cancer. I can't solve diseases, but I can give back knowledge and perspective to listeners, to viewers, to students. Uh, so that's what this third chapter is all about. The agent side is a very different life than the team side. You don't go into an office and sit there for eight hours. You don't depend a lot on the infrastructure of what your office is and the marketing department and the finance department and the weight room and the trainers and the video guys and the equipment guys and the all for one atmosphere towards a team. As an agent, before we get into even how, you're really like a fantasy football player, right? You are because your attention is on players on different teams maximizing their income, maximizing their playing opportunities, period. You say to the team, you care about them, you care about their cap, and you care about the rest of their team, but you really just care about your clients. So to think about being an agent, think about being a fantasy football player. You have sole focus on these players who may be on different teams. You're not about a team. 
if you have some fandom from growing up, that tends to fall away pretty quickly once you get into the business. So being an agent is a 24-hour job. Uh, you are working for high-profile people that just happen to be athletes. You're working hard. And I think here's the thing you need to know. You get paid on contract negotiations, whether it be team contract or endorsement contract, a fee that you work out. The team contract's governed by the NFLPA. You can only go up to 3%. The endorsement contracts is whatever you can agree to a player with. But what you do is 90% beyond negotiating the contracts. So what do you mean? Well, you help them get a place. You help them look at a lease. You help them work on a car, get a car. You help them, their family. You help them with travel. You help them get situated in their new city. You help them have training before the combine, after the combine. You help them look at business opportunities that may never develop. You spend days looking at possible websites people want them to invest in, things they want people to, them to be involved with. And none of this is billable. So the first thing you have to know as an agent is the only billables are negotiating the contracts, but that is literally 10% of your job with players. Such a good point, Andrew. And thinking about it now, I think about all the things that guys have their agents do that their agents don't get paid for. Yeah. It's really interesting because I remember hearing from a guy one time that said he talks to his agent once a week. Yeah. And I remember thinking about what, Why? you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have anything to say to my agent once a week. Like, I, I don't know what that conversation would even be. So let me, let me pick up on that real quick. I think it's a weaning and I use that word. It's, I know it's a strong word, but it's a weaning process because in my agent career, early in their careers, out of college, year one, year two, a lot of contact lot of contact years three and this is probably what you're thinking years three four five and and hopefully longer it's more like you know i'll get in touch with you when i need a contract which from an agent perspective business wise is really the way to work you know to only hear from a guy every three years like hey when are we getting started on this contract because you get bogged down in all the details of guys lives that's not good for business it's good for relationship but it's not good for business. So if we're being realistic, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, trying to go at it on your own as an agent, like just start from scratch and be an agent and try to get a player, try to build a business, that sounds almost impossible and like a terrible idea to me. I guess you know better than I. I would tell someone if that's really what you want to do, Try to knock down every door you can to meet with all the top agents and basically volunteer your time to do whatever they ask you to do until they eventually give you a job and then you work your way up in their organization. Maybe at some point years down the line, you break off on your own. But these guys that like think they're going to go to law school and then be an agent and get players, I think they're for the most part, kidding themselves. Yeah, and I, I do admit over the years, I've been in this a while, I'm seeing less, probably less a percentage of young people saying, I want to be an agent. Usually, you know, if I have a class of 50 and I ask who wants to be an agent, that you know, years ago, 40 hands would go up. 
Now I think it's really lower. And maybe it's because of these conversations that you and I have. It's tough. I was lucky. I got in eventually with David Falk, the super agent in basketball and apprentice. It wasn't called that, but apprenticed for him for several years and basically just learned. Um, Here's a question I asked to someone who wants to be an agent. And this is stark. And I know it's cold, but I'm like, okay, kid, I'm a player. Why should I sign with you? Why should I sign with you? And you can say, I got great grades. I got a great smile. I, you know, I, I know people in uh, training or whatever, but no. Why, why would a player sign with you? And once you can answer that question, and maybe it's, you know, I was college roommates with a first round pick. That's great. That's great. That's a reason. But if you don't have that, you're going to be in trouble. So I know, and then the question is, how do I get in with a big firm? And if there was an easy answer, everyone would do it. Uh, but you just have to find your way. And this is the advice I tell everyone about any job, is make yourself special. Make yourself different. You know, look at me. I'm at that age we talked about at the beginning of this segment. And I'm still working on making myself different. You know, making that business sports podcast, like you said, the only one of its kind. So make yourself different if you're trying to be an agent. What about, Andrew, on the front office side, you know, uh, and what what is the difference? You kind of talked about the agent side and there's not as much infrastructure and the hand-holding. The team side's the opposite, right? It's kind of all for one, one for all. Yeah, and very stable. Now, I know people talk about getting fired when coaches don't do well, but if you're front office, you're somewhat immune from that you're really all about the team and it really becomes a consuming life not about your clients not about being woken up at three in the morning with a client problem but about your team and you just said it all for one one for all you try not to have your world rocked by a loss on sunday for the next week or your world elevated by a win on sunday you try to keep even keel you can't respond like the media and fans do to your team. And that takes work to really stay on an even keel. But again, my job, every action had a reaction, managing a team salary cap. You sign a new player, you have to worry about what comes out on the other side. You have this wall in front of you all day long of your roster, when players' contracts are up, who their agents are, how much they make, how do they count against the cap. You're studying everyone else's team to figure out where they're going to go with their cap and contracts. It's a very consuming way of living, uh, being with a team. I did it for a decade, and frankly, it was enough. But if you go work for a team, your time, it's, it's kind of like working for a big firm on Wall Street. You are, you are consumed by that team day in and day out. You're all about the results, and you live that way. Infrastructure's there, absolutely. Uh, stability, absolutely. Going in office all hours, assuming no pandemic, absolutely. So different way of life. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, Andrew. I, I find that side to be much more appealing than the agent side. And it's interesting because that's the one thing my wife sometimes I don't want to say she recommends, but she kind of misses caring about who wins. Yeah. She she kind of misses, you know, that feeling of 
being with the other wives and being in the stands and sort of having a stake in the game? You know, I went to league meetings and this a, a conversation always struck me at in the in the hallways between meetings where colleagues of mine, front office guys, GMs, even ownership, you know, you'd say, how you doing? And he'd say, well, we're four and six. <laughs> and I would always think, no, how are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, and that that's the mentality. And you and the listeners and the viewers know me well enough that I had to get out of that. You know, I'm a little more, let's put it I'm bluntly, I'm a little more selfish. I'm a little more, I got things to do. I got things to work on. I want to be myself and not subsumed by team results. Um, so the few people that I was close with in the NFL, like I've had on the podcast several times, Thomas Dimitrov, who was GM of the Falcons for 13 years. He's a lot more than football. Uh, so these are the kind of things that go on in that world. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's gotta be, what was it like when you were up in the stands? What, when you were up in the skybox watching the game? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I was with the scouts sometimes with our GM, Ted Thompson or Ron Wolf. Um, you know, these are home games. Away games are worse, but home games, you you know, we could obviously cheer, but uh, it was business-like, you know. I had to wear a suit to games, and I couldn't couldn't bring my kids. They were down there, but I couldn't bring – I couldn't sit with them. Um, on the road was worse because you sit in a press box. We didn't have an owner. We didn't have an owner's box. Um, and you can't cheer. And I learned that the hard way, Ross. <laughs> First year, I'm cheering like mad, and people are looking at me like I did something wrong, and I did. Uh, so, yeah, it's very sterile. That's the word. Sterile environment in those games. Yeah, it really is. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, what about on the media side now? Because uh, that's – I mean, and that's one I can chime in on. And it's funny. I don't want to say I don't know what to say to people, Andrew, but – when they want to get in on broadcasting, I'm kind of blunt with them about the fact that a big reason why I have the jobs I have is because I played for a while. Yeah. You know, and a big reason why you have the jobs you have, Andrew, is because you were an agent and you were an executive. Just starting out on the media side, it's really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you have more access points than you've ever had, right? With Twitter, with social media, with blogs, with podcasts, anyone can do it. There's no barriers to entry there. On the other hand, that's a downside because any guy in his basement or woman in his base in her basement can have a blog, can have a podcast. And what makes you different again? Here's the thing with me, Ross. Unlike you. I mean, I, do you even consider me, I ask this rhetorically, media? Because I've never covered a game and will never cover a game, ever. Have no interest in that. I have no interest in writing uh, a who's good, who's bad column, you know, on the field. I don't have the expertise for that. I have no interest in writing fantasy. I have no interest in writing odds. I have no interest in writing about. Um, you know, favorites to win the Super Bowl. But I provide insight. Uh, you know, if Adam Schefter's breaking news, my job is to say, what does that mean? If someone's reporting on a game, I don't get in that. 
So I guess what I'm saying is maybe 10 years ago, there wasn't an opportunity in media for me. There wasn't, you know, insight people. That's what I am. I'm an insight media. I have no reporting duties or interests. I'm never going to scoop. And 20, 10, 20 years ago, that was media, right? That was media, game coverage and scoops. And uh, so I'm thankful that's a part of it. So my, my advice is, I know no one has experience like me, but find it. Find your special sauce some way. You know, you are media, but it's a good point. You know, you're, you've kind of carved out a unique niche in media. You get, you've carved out a unique niche in life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when yeah. you think about it, I guess that's the last question, Andrew, would just be um, you, you do help with uh, Vayner Sports now. What do you really do? Because you're writing the column for MMQB. You're hosting the Business of Sports podcast. You know all the stuff you do at Villanova Law. You've got the Sunday newsletter. So I guess I'm sure some some of the listeners are just wondering, what do you do for Vayner Sports? You know, over the years, I've had agencies get to me, uh, and it's not a surprise. People ask me, I still talk, teams call, agents call. You know, over 10 years, maybe one or two teams have called, but a lot of agents have called. And they all want the same thing, Ross. You know, can we use your, in, your experience? Because we have... You know, we're getting to players, but we can't close the deal because we don't have a lot of experience negotiating contracts. And I've, I've turned down a lot of those. But I, I decided to work with Vayner because I saw something different. I saw maybe a disruption on the agent side, not just the standard, do your contract, get you a Nike deal. They're doing a lot with digital, obviously, with Gary Vee, and they're doing a lot with new media. And now they're into this whole world, which I don't know about, called NFTs. So I think there's some disruption there. I guess what I really do is try to be a mentor to some of the young agents. Uh, I do believe in giving back. One of my mentors in the business was Eugene Parker, the great agent. Eugene died suddenly a few years ago. And his son, Brandon Parker, brought me in. And uh, I mentor Brandon. And he just completed a really strong deal for Leonard Williams with the Giants. So just kind of being a mentor, I'm not going to recruit. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be in those weeds we talked about with players, but kind of an oversight role. And I still get inquiries from other agents. I get inquiries to do expert witness stuff about uh, contracts. Kenny I, I, Galladay just signed. I had to turn down, you know, being an expert witness in a case between agents about him. So those are things that come up all the time, too. Andrew, this was fun, man. Yeah. I feel like we got to do something like this every every year or so, just sort of a deep dive into some of the different roles. I think people probably got a lot out of this. Really appreciate the time. Always a pleasure, Ross. I'll do these more often. These are fun. You know what else is fun? Our new show, Football Feedback. It is amazing. It's YouTube only. We're going to have another one soon. It's when you guys get to be on the show. Think about it. You get to be on the show. Football feedback. Here's who I'm picking for next week's show. I am picking people that go to keeps.com slash Ross or keeps.com slash any of the other shows, Fantasy Feast, College Draft. You guys know how I feel about keeps. I've been using it for a while. I need it. It's done a pretty good job for me. Look at my hair right now as I'm talking to youtube.com 
slash Ross Tucker NFL. So keeps.com slash draft keeps.com slash anything that works in one of our shows keeps.com slash even money keeps.com slash feast or to keep it simple for this show keeps.com slash Ross. It's really easy to do. You'll get your first month free. If you're not sure whether or not you should start taking keeps, you should. And you'll get be you'll be the first people eligible for the football feedback show for next week. If you send me an email, Ross at RossTucker.com after you sign up for your first month of treatment free. Tucks takes. Well, it's official, Ross. The NFL has added an extra game to the regular season, which means we're going to have 17 per season and three preseason games. Right. And obviously, Brian, I mean, we knew this was coming for a while. Essentially, as soon as they signed that last CBA a little over a year ago, this was inevitable. And by the way, once they go to 17 games, which they are now, the players get more of the revenue. There's a kicker when it goes up to 17 games that the players get over 48%. So this was all prepared for, planned for, feels like 20 times over the last year they've said, we're going to be 17 games, we're going to be 17. This week just means it's essentially official. I will say a couple of things. Number one, I am glad that they're keeping three preseason games. I think that's important. And I know last year we had a season without it, and most people don't care. I get that. But a couple of things. Number one, you know, you want to try to find out what these young guys have. You know, for, for me as a former player, I want all of these young men to feel like they really got their opportunity. Hard to do that with just training camp. This year, they should have a, a, a more full offseason. The offseason programs start April 19th, although there's still some debate, Bri, whether they'll have like on-field OTAs or whether it will be totally virtual again. But the net-net is these young guys this year are going to get much more of an opportunity than they got a year ago. I think those three preseason games are extremely helpful for them. I think we'll see even less starters in the preseason games. You might see you know, a few guys play a couple series of the second preseason game would be my guess. But I think it's really important. I mean, take those preseason games for what they are. I mean, they're, they're for the young guys to show what they can do and try to make the team, and that's what they should be for. And then we'll have the 17 games. I think it's great. I know there are a lot of people that are concerned about it. Look, ultimately, it's a lot more money for the players. And for one more game, I truly believe the vast majority of the players, if you pulled them, would say, hey, for one more game, you can make another $100,000 or $50,000 or whatever it is. Most guys would say yes. I, I, I know guys like Alvin Kamara and others say they're not interested. I get that. But the vast majority of the guys, they know how short their careers are. They know that they want to try to make as much money from their God-given ability during this time as they can. So I'm happy for those guys. I'm happy that's going to increase the revenue significantly. What's interesting, I guess, is they're still starting it a week after Labor Day. They don't ever want to have it Labor Day weekend because people travel so much. So the end of the regular season will be like January 9th. And then the Super Bowl will be Valentine's Day weekend. So everything gets pushed back a week. 
uh, in terms of the end of the regular season and the Super Bowl. And I think most of you probably already know this by now, but it's it's formulaic, right? So you're going to play the corresponding team in your division, you know, from a different division, right? So like the Eagles, for example, they finished last in the NFC East. And this year, the NFC East will play the AFC East. So the Eagles will end up playing the New York Jets. I don't know how they determined whether it was a home. Oh, all the AFC teams are home this year, and then they flip it the next time or whatever. So uh, it's all formulaic as usual. I'm excited about it, uh, and I'm really excited that they kept three preseason games. I think two would have been too small. And I know people don't like it. Some people don't like it, but um, it was sort of inevitable, and and I'm glad it came through. Some other news includes a giant signing D-tackle Danny Shelton. The Bills Stadium, now called Highmark Stadium. Colton Miller signs a big extension with the Raiders. Bruce Arians gets his Super Bowl championship tattoo. Chase Daniels signs with the Chargers. Gabe Jackson gets a new contract with the Seahawks. And Colt McCoy is with the Cardinals. Mike Daniels with the Bengals. Yeah, a lot of interesting things there, Bri. You know, I'll, I'll go right down the line. So Danny Shelton essentially signed by the Giants as security to try to fill the void left by Dalvin Tomlinson. Had to be painful for Dave Gettleman to let Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a very good, young, durable, tough, run-stuffing D-tackle go. The Giants couldn't pay everybody, but those are the type of guys that Dave Gettleman loves. So instead it'll be Danny Shelton, who's not quite the player Tomlinson is, but can fill that role while they probably try to draft the next Dalvin Tomlinson if they can. As for the Bills Stadium now being Highmark Stadium, I got to ask you, Brian, do do you feel like these naming rights companies get the value out of it? Like it was just new era field for a couple of years. Although, you know, flip side, you know, for the years it was new era field, you know, people said new era a lot. People like, what are new era? Oh, new era is the hat company, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but you know what? When they say that, they're saying that on national TV in front of millions and millions of people. Every time it's in the newspaper, it's millions you know, of people who are getting it. So I, I don't know. Obviously, it has to have the value. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep spending the money for it. Um, but at initial glance, yeah, I could see why you'd say that. But I, I think it, it's got to be. And, and at a certain price point, it's worth it. Yeah, I, and the, the point you make, I think, is good there is that it's not an advertisement. It's, it's not like when you're listening to the radio and they go to commercial, it's in the content. It'd be like, I'm just talking to you, Brian, I say DraftKings, or remember back in the day, or this is back in the four-letter network, I used to say, State Farm, State Farm, State Farm, State Farm, State Farm, State Farm. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's Highmark Stadium here for the Bills. You know, you, you almost, it, it doesn't feel like an ad, but you're still hearing it. Uh, as for Colton Miller, wow, the Raiders – they are going undergoing one of the most unique O-line makeovers I've seen. Colton Miller was not good as a rookie, got much better the last two years. Kudos to him for improving. There's a lesson there. Kudos to the Raiders for staying patient with their first-round pick, and he got rewarded. It is interesting, though, that like on the same day, Gabe Jackson, who the Raiders traded to Seattle, got big money from the Seahawks. I don't really know why the Seahawks felt compelled to do that. I probably would have waited to see how Gabe Jackson played this year. My guess is that there's a element of salary cap relief 
and that's why they did it. But I probably would have waited to see what Big Gabe could do this year before I gave him that big money. Because think about this. I mean, the Raiders, they were happy to get rid of Trent Brown, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson. And a lot of NFL teams were happy to scoop those guys up. I mean, the Patriots are still playing, paying Trent Brown a lot. The Seahawks are obviously paying Gabe Jackson a lot. The Cardinals traded a third-round pick for Rodney Hudson. So the Raiders you know, got rid of some really good offensive linemen, but they're keeping guys like Colton Miller. Arians getting a tattoo is amazing. I mean, that's that's just Arians. I love everything about that uh, because he'd worked a long time to get to that point. Chase Daniel, I mean, kings stay kings. He just keeps going. It's unbelievable. I think it's another million and a half guaranteed. That guy, you want to talk about a guy that's made a lot of money playing professional football without actually getting hit very often. Chase Daniel's got to be way high on that list. If we're if we're talking no non-kickers and punters, Chase Daniel might be the number one guy in terms of um money per contact, money per time they actually got hit in their football career. As for Colt McCoy with the Cardinals, makes sense that they want to have a veteran guy there, Texas guy. I get it. Mike Daniels back with the Bengals. Mike Daniels can still wreak some havoc in the interior D-line when he's healthy. The only other thing I would mention, Brian, that I thought was interesting is Roger Goodell saying that there will be full stadiums this fall. You know, it makes sense to me. I don't know how they'll do it, but you'd have to think, right, at a minimum, they'd be able to just have the whole stadium be fully vaccinated people by then. You know, like we still, what is it, March 31st? or is it, No, March 31st, yeah. So we still have five months, four months, whatever it is. By then, you'll be able to get 60,000 fully vaccinated people in there if you want, Right. I agree. I mean, right now, the you know all the states are not all of them. Most of the states are opening up to anyone over sixteen is is now eligible. So hopefully by that point, everybody will be eligible, and we can put this uh, put this behind us. Yeah, that would be awesome. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address Ross at RossTucker dot com. Love your emails. What do you got, Brian? Uh, two questions today, Ross, from Zach. Question number one, there's been a lot made out of Eric Bieniemy as a head coaching candidate over the last few years and for many different reasons. Obviously, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have a lot of influence on how the Chiefs' offense is run, but what do you think is the most revealing quality of Bieniemy in becoming a head coach? Uh, then question number two, my fiancé and I just went for our taste testing for our wedding venue. We decided on three different options for entrees. And since you are the press box food guru, I have to ask you, which would you choose out of these three dinner options? Number one, bacon wrapped filet with crumbled blue cheese. B, crab cake topped with aioli. Or three, a glazed pork chop. All of them served over a couple of asparagus branches and mashed potatoes. That is from our good friend, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, Zach is a uh, tuckhead. Patreon.com. Slash RT Media. Love it, Zach. Wow. So first of all, the enemy. I would say how well and how glowingly people speak of him is probably the defining quality for him so far. It's hard to know when you watch him play 
right? How much of the offense, how much of that is the enemy. But when you hear him speak, he's impressive. And everybody talks about how good of a leader and mentor he is. So I think, I think the most revealing thing about him as a head coach is just how well people speak of him. And the fact that Andy Reid gave him that job in the first place, I think says a lot. As for your entrees, wow, Zach, that's a tough one. Those are all good, man. Really good. So I love bacon wrap filet. I'm not a crumbled blue cheese guy. So if they would let me for the wedding say hold the crumbled blue cheese, I'd go bacon wrap filet, I think. However, I can't take the chance that that thing is totally loaded up with crumbled blue cheese. Just can't do it. Changes the flavor, changes the dynamic. So I would go with the crab cake topped with aioli. That sounds delicious. Glazed pork chop sounds good, but that that seems like something you can get uh, more often. For a wedding, if I've got those options, man, I would go bacon wrap filet if no blue cheese. But if there's blue cheese on it, I'll go crab cake top with aioli. Jeez, Zach, I haven't even had breakfast yet. I do like the intermittent fasting thing. You're killing me, bro. Killing me. Shout outs are in order. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 